Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Tonight we're in 1 Samuel chapter 10. We're going to look at a changed heart and a changed man. We're looking at the story of Saul, the son of Kish, the donkey chaser. They had a first century game. It was called the Donkey Chasers. Just kidding. Anyway. But, you know, God, what God did was he took an ordinary day, what seemed like trivial, mundane circumstances. Uh, we lost the donkeys. Go find them. And Saul uh, found himself running into the prophet. And uh, what an unexpected turn of events occurred from a normal, trivial day to all of a sudden God doing something remarkable, supernatural. Days can happen like that, by the way. God has not stopped working that way. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can uh, elevate the mundane. He can take the everyday and give you special moments in those days to see his mighty hand work. You just got to be looking for him. And even sometimes when you're not looking for him, you still run into him. God is just good that way. Let's pray. Father, as we get into your word, thank you that it's breathed out by God and it's living. Your word is alive. It's powerful. We serve a living God, not dead idols, but a God who's alive, a God who wants to breathe life into us, fill us afresh again. Lord, we need you every moment of every day. Thank you that you're there, an ever-present help in time of need. We are needy people, Lord. We need your presence. We need your power. We need your perspective. So tonight, as we look at a man whose heart is changed, Lord, we're not going to just look at this as spectators. We want to have our hearts changed, filled, strengthened, um, more sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit, more seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is a command. So Lord, teach us about your ways tonight. None of us have arrived. We confess that we have a long way to go. Lord, we feel weak and inadequate so many times, but thank you that your power is perfected in weakness, that you make us more than conquerors through him who loved us. So tonight, we look expectantly to what you will say to us. Give us ears to hear and a heart to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Samuel 10. We're going to look at verses 1 through 16. 1 Samuel 10. Look at verse 1. Then Samuel took the flask of oil and poured it on his head. He's dealing with now Saul. He kissed him, which indicates that Samuel was Italian. And he said, Has not the Lord anointed you a ruler over his inheritance? Israel is God's inheritance. I will point out right off the bat that if you have an English Standard Version of the Bible, ESV, you have what's called a uh, textual variant here. One family of manuscripts is following the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, completed about 250 BC. So you have the, the Jewish Bible written in Greek. That's what the Septuagint is. And one, uh, one of the texts follows... The ESV follows the Septuagint. 
while other versions follow the Hebrew text. Sometimes you'll hear the Masoretic text. In the end, the variant reading doesn't mean a lot. Not a lot hangs on it. Uh, the original reading I gave you from the New American Standard is where a lot of scholars say it should stop. But it does continue in the ESV reading this way. It says, The Lord anointed you to be prince over his people, Israel. You shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. Not a lot hangs on that, because that's really a repetition of 1 Samuel 9. If you look at verse 16, it says, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, God speaking to Samuel, You shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have regarded my people because their cry has come to me. So you have what's called a textual variant. What happens in some cases with manuscript families is there is a difference. And when you go back to the original, the earliest text, the the greatest volume of manuscripts, that's usually how scholars come to the conclusion when you see a, a variant reading in a text, uh, it doesn't touch on any of the, the most significant doctrines of Christianity, just so you know. And usually, if you have a study Bible or something like that, it will be in a note in your Bible, and then you can take a look at it. For our purposes, let's just deal with what the New American Standard and some of the other versions say. Samuel takes this flask of oil, he pours it on the head of Saul, he kisses him, And he says, has not the Lord anointed you? I want you to notice that Samuel simply becomes the agent of anointing. The one doing the anointing is God Almighty. When we are working in ministry, when we're sharing the gospel, when we're doing things for God, we simply become an agent for God's working. We become a vessel in his hand. Samuel says, look, the Lord is the one that is anointing you, Prince over his people. Israel is his inheritance. Any leader who has the privilege of leading anybody for any length of time is simply watching over what belongs to God. And Hebrews 13 tells us that leaders will give an account to God. It says in Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. It doesn't mean all leaders. It means those who are following God. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Every leader will give an account to God for how they managed God's flock. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. It's his church, it's his people, it's his inheritance. Israel belongs to God. They are his heritage. And so Samuel, even though he was not happy about this whole uh, situation with Saul, he does what the Lord says. If you look at uh, the previous chapter, the end of the chapter gives us some insight about this ordinary day. It says, When they came down from the high place, this is 25, chapter 9, into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the roof. And they arose early, and it came about at daybreak that Samuel called to Saul on the roof, saying, Get up that I may send you away. So Saul arose, both he and Samuel, went out into the street. As they were going down to the edge of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Say to the servant that he might go ahead of us and pass on. But you remain standing now that I may proclaim, what does it say? The word of God to you. 
I'm going to tell you, after this anointing takes place, what God has to say to you. I want you to listen. I'm going to proclaim the word of the Lord to you. When you are here, somebody is standing at a pulpit or you're at a Bible study and someone takes the place of a leader and begins to what we call exegete the word of God, which means to simply bring out the meaning of the Bible. What I am proclaiming tonight, to you tonight is the word of the Lord. This is God's word. It's not to be trifled with. It's to be celebrated, of course. It's to, it's to uh, you know, encourage us and strengthen us in our walk. But uh, Samuel says, look, I'm going to speak God's word to you. This, this day has changed from you know, chasing around the donkeys and trying to figure out where they are to all of a sudden you're the leader of God's heritage. What? That's a, that's a radical change in plans. And so here's what happens. He anoints him. Anointing does speak of a special setting apart. In Psalm 23, verse 5, David writes, Thou dost prepare my table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. So when, the, when there's an anointing that takes place, there is a empowering. This is sig- signifying the work of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, who was the high priest, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forever." Jesus said in John 7, 38 and 39, He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Bible speaks of an anointing that does come upon the people of God, an empowering, if you will, a gushing. Acts 1, 8 says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, what, comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You will receive, that means a seizing, a taking hold of power is dunamis. It's where we get English words like dynamic and dynamite. Uh, We call some people a dynamo. When we call you a dynamo, we're like, man, that person's got some passion. That person's got some dynamic power behind them. In Luke 24:49, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, said, Behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay until the, in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You remember that when that did occur, the, there were something like uh, the tongues of fire over each person's what? Head. It is interesting to think about when anointing happens, it it's a pouring over the head of the individual. And it speaks of an empowering from God. Now the question that we have to ask is, how did the Holy Spirit work in the Old Testament? Uh, can we see some examples? I want you to turn to the book of Judges, which just is, uh, just go back a few pages to the left, go back towards the book of Genesis. Follow along just with a few passages to get a taste of the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Judges chapter 3. Verse 10. You're going to see a pattern emerge which will tie to our topic tonight. 
Judges 3.10. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, that's Othniel, Judges 3.10, and he judged Israel. When he went out, would you notice, to war, the Lord gave Cushan, that place, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, or that guy, so that he prevailed over that person. Cushan Rishathaim. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel, and he went out to war. Turn to Judges 6, verse 34. Judges 6, verse 34. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and the Abiezrites were called together to follow him. Context, Gideon's going to war. Empowering from the Holy Spirit. Go to Judges chapter 11. Look at verse 29. Judges 11, 29. Now the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, so that he passed through Gilead and to and Manasseh, 11.29, and he passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he went on to the sons of Ammon. Context, he was going to war. Judges 13.25, take a look. Judges 13.25. The Spirit of the Lord began to stir him, that's Samson, in Mahane Dan, between Zorah and Eshtel. Turn to Judges 14, verse 5. Judges 14. Look at verse 5. And Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother, came as far as the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, behold, a young lion came roaring toward him. What would you do? And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that he tore him as one tears a kid. That's not a human, by the way. Though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Look at Judges 14. Look at verse 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of them and took their spoil and gave the changes of clothes to those who told the riddle. And his anger burned, and he went up to his father's house. Look at Judges 15, verse 14. Judges 15, 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord... Uh, excuse me, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted as they met him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that the ropes that were on his arms were as flax that is burned with fire. And so his bonds dropped from his hands. Over and over again, as you see the work of the Holy Spirit, as you turn back to 1 Samuel with me, you see that the Holy Spirit empowers people in a, quite a surprising way. In each of the cases in the book of Judges that you study, you find that the empowering of the Holy Spirit was preparing someone to go to battle, oftentimes in circumstances or situations that were far beyond their ability to win. And yet, God empowered them for the moment to do battle. This sounds very familiar to those who are familiar with Ephesians chapter 6 because we have a battle to fight. Our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and uh, those who would work against us. And God gives us armor, seven pieces of armor indeed. And we're to put on the full armor of God that we might, what? Take our stand against the schemes of the devil. Romans 13 tells us we're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and to make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. God has provisions for us we must put it on. It is not automatic for you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
Ephesians 5.18 says, Be ye kept being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a command. That means you're to do it continuously, but it is not automatic. Don't be drunk with wine. That's a waste. Instead, be what? Filled with the Spirit. So what you have in the Bible is this symmetry of how the, how the Holy Spirit works. In 1 Samuel 11, just take a peek with me at verse 5. 1 Samuel 11 Verse 5, we'll look ahead for a second. Now, behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen. First uh, Samuel 11, verse 5. And he said, what is the matter with the people that they weep? So they related to him the words of the men of Jabesh, a threat from Nahash the Ammonite against the men of Jabesh is the context. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul mightily when he heard these words and he became, what's your Bible say? When's the last time you connected anger with the Spirit coming upon you? Hmm, that's different. But this was a godly anger. This was an anger of the people of God are being threatened and God is empowering now His servant to do His will. Now many of you know, if you're thinking ahead, 1 Samuel 16, something radical happens to Saul. The Holy Spirit leaves him. And when people read that, and they read David pray, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, O Lord, right? We get concerned. We say, well, does that mean that in the new covenant, it's possible that the Holy Spirit departs from people? I sure hope not. That's not my understanding of Scripture. That's not my understanding of the Bible. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. But even as a New Testament Christian, the power of the Holy Spirit is not automatic in my life. It's just not. The Holy Spirit fills me, but I have a part to play. If you want to picture the, the power of the Spirit as an ocean where you've got to come with your cup or a faucet where you've got to put your mouth under it, whatever image you want to grab a hold of, you have to do something. And for us, it's not... A water cup. It's not, okay, Lord, fill my cup. That's a good image. And sometimes, you know, we see the cup is half empty. And we, we all know that, right? But the Lord wants your cup filled. But the way your cup gets filled spiritually has nothing to do with those analogies. What it really has to do is with what you're doing right now. This is how you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You involve yourself with things that He fills. Worship. The word is already breathed out by God. It is the sword of the Spirit. That's the word of God. And so whenever you begin to partake of things that have to do with the Spirit of the living God, you're listening to preaching, you are serving the Lord in some capacity. He meets us there every single time. All you have to do is be open and ask Him and He'll certainly provide what you need. He will pour out the Holy Spirit Upon you. It's pictured in the anointing oil. It's pictured in rushing water. These are images of the Holy Spirit. They're images of power that come from God to us. Isn't it cool that God doesn't ask you to do His work all by yourself? I know there's a debate in the Christian church about, you know, the gifts of the Spirit and whether or not the sign gifts are in activation today. I'll tell you this if you try to do the work of God without the Spirit of God, you're in deep trouble. 
however you want to, wherever you land on the spectrum of, you know, whether you're a cessationist and those are people who believe the sign gift ceased at the closing of the apostolic age and the completion of the canon of scripture about the end of the first century. And there are other people who say they still continue today. And the churches were very famous for extremes, aren't we? We go to one extreme or the other. Instead of saying, look, the Lord works, but he works decently and in order, right? People want to attach things to ecstatic experiences. Uh, Paul says, for example, in 1 Corinthians 14.5, I wish that all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. Greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, Prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and consolation. That's the purpose of the gift. We're going to see that Saul is going to prophesy in this chapter. What does that mean? What exactly was Saul doing? We'll dig that out in a second. We'll talk about that. But right now, as we listen to the Word of God, prophecy is going forth. Because I'm speaking forth the Word of God. And sometimes when I'm preaching a message, God gives me supernatural insight as I become a funnel, if you will, and not just me, but anybody who wants to be in service of the King can become a funnel. And they can get some supernatural insight. And sometimes it's just something that's not even in the notes or something, you know, that you just said on the fly. And somebody goes, how did you know? And I usually say, that's because we have people following you everywhere. We have hidden cameras. No. The Lord just speaks through his word. And he speaks through his servants. Now, we have to remember when we talk about spiritual gifts, which are special God-given things, gifts that are bestowed by the Holy Spirit. They come upon Christians for the purpose of building up the church. Spiritual gifts are not an end in and of themselves, but they serve a purpose in the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts, if you're a note-taker tonight, and there's a class coming up starting Sunday on these, spiritual gifts are divine enablements for ministry. Characteristics of Jesus Christ that are to be manifested through the body a corporate, just as they were manifested through the body incarnate or Jesus. Spiritual gifts cannot be separated from a spiritual life. They are in spiritual people submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ who want to live for the glory of the Lord. They are divine enablements. If you want to just break down spiritual gifts, that's simply what they are. They give you the ability to do more than you could have done before you had them. Have you experienced that? I hope so. Gifts are given by God to the agent, a person, to do things that you couldn't do before you had them. And they are evidences, of course, of the working of the Lord in your life. Now, after the anointing, this is uh, 1 Samuel 10, verse 2. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) we will move more quickly now. When you go from me today, this is Samuel talking to Saul, then you will find, now he's going to begin to prophesy. You'll find two men close to Rachel's tomb, which is near the area of Bethlehem, in the territory of Benjamin, that was the tribe of Saul, and Zelza, or Zelza, it appears only here in the Bible. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found Now behold, your father has ceased to be concerned about the donkeys, and he's anxious for you, saying, 
What shall I do about my sons? Now, about my son. Now, Samuel is about to give three signs. Maybe this is a way of confirming that he is a true prophet and he has given Saul the true word of God. So he's going to predict some things about what's going to happen. But I want you to notice that these men, these two men, will be close to Rachel's tomb. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. If you've opened up your heart to Jesus Christ, you've done the best thing you could ever do, my friend. God bless you and welcome to the family. If you rededicated your life, God bless you. We've all been there before. We've all slidden back and made our mistakes, even as Christians. You can, you can come home, my friend. You can come home, my brother or sister. Come home. If you need more help or if you open up your heart in any way to the Lord, we'd like to help you. We'd like to be there for you. Here's who we are. We're Living Truth Radio. And behind this ministry is a church called Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We're located in the city of Corona. You can find out all about this ministry at livingtruthradio.org, livingtruthradio.org. You'll connect to our church website. There's articles. There's a whole um, archive sermon section. There's uh, information about this ministry, a chance for you to contact us and let us know if the program's been a blessing. And we'd like to know and a chance to donate to this radio ministry at livingtruthradio.org. If you do donate, and we'd appreciate you doing so, click on the donate button. Make sure you indicate on the PayPal that you are giving to radio ministry. If you'd just like to say hi and say, hey, Pastor Michael, I've been listening on this station, and this is my name, and here's where I live, and and if the program's been a blessing, you just want to drop us a note and just say hi. We, we really appreciate that. We read every one of them. They're an encouragement to us, so don't think they won't be. Reach out to us, livingtruthradio.org. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz, who produces the program, and Shane Lance, who helps us out with all the other stuff that goes with it, we appreciate it, and uh, we just want to say thank you for listening. Tell a friend about Living Truth Radio, and we'll catch you next time on the program. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Hey, I want to invite you to visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org to get more familiar with our church fellowship. If you live in the Inland Empire and don't have a church home, come and worship with us. We have a wonderful church family that meets here in the city of Corona. Our service times are 9th and 11.15 a.m. You can get more information about that at the website. That's livingtruthcorona.org. God bless you.